0: Welcome to the ABR podcast, where some of Australian book reviews contributors discuss major issues or read their reviews and creative writing. My name is Peter Rose and I'm the editor of ABR. If you enjoy our podcasts, think about subscribing to the magazine. Those 25 and under can do so for as little as $25 for the online version or $50 for print plus online. Stephen Bennetts, a Perth-based anthropologist, returns to the ABR podcast this week with an assessment of Paul Cleary's new book, Title Fight, How the Injibandi Battled and Defeated a Mining Giant. Cleary tells the story of how an under-resourced Pilbara Aboriginal group won a legal battle against Andrew Forrest's Fortescue Metals Group. Title Fight is a timely work, as the Australian Senate has just released its final report into the destruction last year of a 46,000-year-old Pilbara Aboriginal rock shelter by mining company Rio Tinto. Title Fight tells how FMG destroyed rock shelters of similar antiquity on its Solomon Hub iron ore lease and proceeded with mining operations without negotiating a proper land use agreement with the area's Yinjibandi traditional owners. Stephen Bennett is a Perth-based anthropologist, fellow of the Australian Anthropological Society, and co-founder of Aboriginal Heritage Action Alliance and Friends of Australian Rock Art, which has campaigned since 2006 for the protection of globally significant rock art in the Pilbara region. Stephen Bennett's.
1: On the wall of Yinjibandi leader Michael Woodley's modest office in the Pilbara Aboriginal community of Roeburn hangs a large framed portrait of Muhammad Ali and a pair of boxing gloves. It seems a highly appropriate metaphor for the tale of the small Aboriginal group's 13 year resistance to one of Australia's most powerful companies now recounted by former Australian journalist Paul Cleary. Title Fight highlights the unequal relationship between Western Australia's under resourced Aboriginal groups and multinational giants like FMG that seek to exploit the state's vastly profitable mineral resources often using processes that conflict with the principles of free, prior and informed consent, protection of Indigenous cultural heritage and the right to fair and equitable compensation, which are clearly articulated in the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, signed by the Australian Government in 2009. Rio Tinto's legalised destruction of the 46,000-year-old Jukun Gorge site in May 2020, highlighted the failure of Western Australia's Aboriginal Heritage Act 1972 to protect Aboriginal sites of global significance. These include not only Djukin Gorge, but also the Burrup Peninsula, the world's oldest and largest outdoor rock art gallery, where the McGowan State Government is continuing to promote large-scale industry such as Woodside Scarborough LNG project, despite having nominated the area for UNESCO World Heritage Listing in 2018. Commonwealth heritage legislation has proved similarly toothless with 100% of federally determined protection applications between 2007 and 2013 failing. In Cleary's meticulously detailed account of the Injibandi FMG struggle, native title legislation also seems to fail First Nations peoples in delivering the full promise of the 1992 Mabo judgment. After discovering the huge 1.7 billion tonne Solomon Iron Ore Deposit in Yinjibundi country in 2007, FMG began negotiating with the Yinjibundi Aboriginal Corporation, YAC, as mandated under the Native Title Act 1993. The company proposed an extraordinary whole of land claim access agreement for any and all tenure desired by FMG for an indefinite time and unspecified project which would have given the company, quote, unfettered access to Yinjibandi country for as little as $3 million a year and subordinated the group's native title rights to FMG's desire to conduct operations, quote, without interference or interruption, close quote. In line with CEO Andrew Forrest's well-known rejection of, quote, mining welfare, end quote, FMG's financial offer was also far below established industry rates. In the words of Yak's mercurial young CEO, Michael Woodley, FMG was demanding a blank check to, quote, do anything, anywhere, anytime, close quotes. After negotiations with Yak broke down, FMG proceeded with its mining operations without obtaining a land use agreement with the Injibundi thus exposing the company and its investors to the legal risk of future compensation claims. A former FMG employee was installed as chief strikebreaker in the Roeburn Aboriginal community, undermining Yak's bargaining position through an FMG-funded breakaway native title group, the wirralmurra yinjibundi Aboriginal Corporation. Exploiting weaknesses inherent in Western Australia's highly privatised Aboriginal heritage consultancy industry, FMG was able to shop around for heritage reports that suited its own agenda. It threatened to withhold invoice payments unless consultants changed their heritage reports to suit FMG requirements. My anthropologist colleague Brad Good was sent packing after he refused to comply. FMG later engaged the services of a more amenable Victorian outfit, Alpha Archaeology which assisted FMG to underreport previously recorded Solomon Hub heritage sites by 30%, according to state government estimates. A battalion of FMG lawyers began exploiting loopholes in the native title process and WA's laughable Aboriginal Heritage Protection Regime to fast track the Solomon Hub mine in the face of Yak opposition and set off a litigation firestorm in an effort to put Yak out of business. In the notorious 50 Cent Hall native title meeting orchestrated by FMG and attended by Andrew Forrest in 2011, the company attempted to remove opposition to granting FMG tenements by replacing YAC applicants on the Injibundi No. 1 native title claim with pro-FMG Wirralmurra applicants. Wirralmurra supporters were paid $500 sitting fees and bust in from as far away as Carnarvon Yak's video of these unedifying proceedings was posted online as the great FMG native title, Swindle, then removed following FMG legal representations to Vimeo, but later reposted on the website of an Indigenous media outfit operating out of Nunavut in Canada's Arctic region. In what Cleary describes as probably Quote, one of the most audacious exercises of orchestration and manipulation ever undertaken by a major listed Australian company, close quotes, FMG in 2015 created a second Aboriginal corporation and organised another sham native title meeting in an attempt to stop Yak from proceeding with its native title claim for exclusive possession and compensation over the Solomon Hub mine. But Yak was to triumph in Federal Court Justice Stephen Rare's 2017 ruling that the Injibundi did indeed have exclusive possession over the Injibundi No. 1 claim area, including the Solomon Hub mine. FMG's appeal of this decision was rejected by five judges of the full federal court in 2019. A hard loser, the company made a final appeal to the High Court, which was dismissed in May 2020, with the Injibundi right to exclusive possession again upheld. The intense emotional reactions of Yinjibundi people gathered back in Roeburn to this historic announcement were memorably captured by the local NADA media unit. Lawyers for Yak are now preparing a compensation claim for loss of native title rights against FMG, which is expected to run into hundreds of millions of dollars. But this stunning moral and legal vindication has come at enormous cost to a community still split by FMG's divide and rule tactics. The massive profits from FMG's dramatic break into the Pilbara iron ore market have not only made Andrew Forrest the richest man in Australia, and second richest person after Gina Reinhart, but have also supercharged a veritable philanthropic bonanza. About half of the Forrest family's income of $4.52 billion has been channeled through its Mindaroo Foundation into a wide range of philanthropic initiatives. Cleary acknowledges FMG's Indigenous employment initiatives, but highlights the contradiction between Forrest's high-profile advocacy of human rights issues like anti-slavery and his company's clear disregard in its dealings with the Yinjibundi and other Pilbara Aboriginal groups for human rights principles enunciated in the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Forrest's 2020 ABC Boyer lecture series perhaps represents an apotheosis in terms of his influence in the Australian public sphere and contrasts with the significant reputational damage suffered by a number of key facilitators of FMG's aggressive but failed strategy to smash Yinjibundi resistance. Solicitor Ron Bauer had acted for Wirralmurra in the notorious 50 Cent Hall meeting, but in 2017 was found by the Legal Profession Complaints Committee quote, to have engaged in consistent and substantial misleading conduct close quote, and was suspended from practicing. He lost his appeal against the ruling in 2018. Alpha Archaeology had facilitated FMG's Solomon Hub development by recommending that no further archaeological work be done on 14 of 24 previously recorded sites, quote, contrary to the recommendations of earlier surveys, which indicated that such work was warranted because of the site's significance. Close quote. A list of accreditations from numerous professional heritage bodies was subsequently removed from the company's website, while FMG's Point Man in Roburn a former hero of WA's Aboriginal land rights movement, is now widely regarded as a pariah by his former associates. The publication of Cleary's extraordinary tale of First Nations resistance to Australian corporate bastardry coincides with widespread opposition by Western Australian Aboriginal groups and professional associations to the McGowan government's current Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Bill. Recently retired Aboriginal Affairs Minister, and recently appointed Rio Tinto and Woodside board member Ben White intended this legislation to supersede WA's Aboriginal Heritage Act 1972. Yet in September 2021, a group of senior Aboriginal leaders submitted an urgent request to the UN Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination to review the bill arguing that it falls short of the principles of protection for Indigenous cultural heritage enunciated in the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples endorsed by the Australian government. The fight for Aboriginal people's cultural rights in Western Australia continues.
0: Thanks for listening to the ABR podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, why not consider subscribing to ABR? Subscriptions start from just $10 per month for digital. Visit our website for more information. We'd like to thank Jack Khalil and Clancy Balan, who edit the podcast, as well as our contributors, who take the time to read their articles and creative writing. And if you enjoy listening to the ABR podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes.